And uh, continuing the series today called Road Trip. So we started this series back at the beginning of summer in June. And uh, my, my thought is we're going to carry it through the end of this month, maybe a little bit into August. And, uh, but it fits so well in this season because we understand the whole concept of road trip. We understand, we get it because we've been there, we've done that. Some of you remember when I mentioned road trip, you think about when you were a kid, you think about those days when you would travel with your parents or your family, you know, your grandma, your grandpa, wherever it was y'all would go to the coast or the mountains or somewhere in between. And, uh, and others of you, I mean, you think about road trips now, maybe you're a parent or, or you're, you, know, you travel with your folks and all of us understand the whole concept of road trip. We get it. Here's the cool thing about this series that, uh, that I've kind of noticed as we've gone through is that the literal road trip lays out parallel to our journey with Jesus, right, as Christians. And even a lot of these same principles we're seeing week in and week out apply to just the, our journey through life. And there's so many parallels, they just run side by side. And so in this series, we've learned a few things along the way. One of the things is, is that every road trip has a definitive starting point, right? Just like when you pack your bags and you load the car and you hit the road, we do the same in our relationship with God. We, we come to Christ, we turn from our sin, we invite him to forgive us and take over. That is the definitive starting point of the Christian life. There is no other way to start, right? Not all roads lead to God. It doesn't, you know, one religion, then another religion, another. They don't all lead to God. We only get to God one way. Jesus set the ground rules, and that is that we turn from our sin and we come through him. We have a relationship with God through the person of Jesus. And so that was where we started with this whole series. Then we added to that the, the idea of travel partners. We all have travel partners uh, in this journey with Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, that you've got other followers of Jesus, not only collectively as part of your church family, but also spread out all over, right, all over the world. If they have a, a common faith in Christ, then they are travel partners. We're all traveling through this same journey with Jesus together if we've all given our lives to him. And then you've got the Holy Spirit who indwells you. God himself goes with you. There's not one place along the way where you're going to find yourself and think, you know, I wish God was here with me. As a Christian, he is always there with you. The Holy Spirit takes residence in your life. And so we added to that a couple of weeks ago the idea of baggage, that you don't take a road trip without packing some bags. And in the same way, we have a tendency to accumulate baggage through our journey, in our journey through life. Sometimes that baggage looks like unforgiveness. Sometimes it looks like bitterness. Sometimes it looks like insecurity. Sometimes it looks like anger. Sometimes it looks like addiction. Right? And we pack our bags at times as we move through life. All of us have been there, done that. Our bags look a little different, perhaps, one from another. But we know what it's like to pack some baggage and experience some baggage. Some of it's, honestly, our fault. Others, it came to us and we had nothing to do with it. It just invaded our life. And the good news is, is that God, at times, unpacks that baggage when we come to him on his terms. But he, at other times, he discards it. And he always walks with us through it and even redeems it and leverages it for good. And then last Sunday, we'll look at the con the concept of rest stops. Then when you hit the road and you're traveling the interstate, you're going to see rest stops along the way. And those rest stops are designed. They're put there for a reason. God also calls us that even though we don't follow the idea of the Sabbath in the same way they did in the Old Testament, the concept of the Sabbath still applies. And we need boundaries. We need margin in our life. And I'll just say that message from last Sunday about rest impacted me so greatly that our family went on vacation. So we left town last week and uh, got back on, Saturday, on Friday night and uh, just enjoyed our time away. So today we're going to add to this series, this road trip series, with a message titled Detours and Delays. Detours and Delays. Some of you, maybe you're like me, you remember as a little kid it would be time to go on vacation. 
And man, I would get so excited. Me and my older brother, our cousin would always go with us. And as I mentioned before, my two sisters were kind of grown and gone by the time I got old enough, you know, grew up a little bit. And uh, we would always go on vacation with my parents. And we would, uh, you know, we'd hit the road. We'd, we'd start planning in advance and, you know, deciding what we're going to take, you know, rafts and oars and all this stuff. Some of it didn't even have room in the station wagon for it. But I remember the night before, my dad would sit down at the kitchen table with one of these things. And it's a map right? Now, if you're under the age of 30, you have no idea what this thing is. But I remember my dad would sit down at the kitchen table and he would unfold this thing with his cup of coffee and his highlighter. Sometimes it would be a ballpoint pen and he would lay it out on the, on the kitchen table and he would route the trip that he would take, the journey that he would take. And he would highlight it or he would mark it with that pen. And, uh, and the thing was, if you, for whatever reason, had to get off that route, then you had to find a rest stop or a Stuckey's, right, and get you a pecan log, and you had to figure out what other route you were going to take. You like that pecan log reference? Nathan, Nathan loves pecan logs, I remember. And, uh, and so I remember these. They stayed in the glove box. I, I had one of these when I went off to college. And I still can't fold these things back. They're like impossible to fold these things back in, back to the way they were. This, uh, wait a minute, miracle in the making, almost. Good enough. All right, so, so we got that figured out. So, so that was one way. When you take a road trip and you would hit, the thing was, those didn't show the detours and the delays. They just kind of showed a route that you expected to take. Now, you got a little bit older and you, you advanced a little bit in your travelerhood and you put the map aside and you got one of these babies right and this didn't fit in the glove box this one happens to be sponsored by our good friends at Cracker Barrel and so um, <clears throat> this was a road atlas and the cool thing about the road atlas was you didn't need readers like these back when you used to read these around the house it, this would show any state I mean if you you may have set off to go to Atlanta but if you happen to find yourself in Oklahoma I needed to know how to get to Tulsa or, you know, up into Kansas. I mean, you had it right here at your fingertips. New Hampshire, uh, you've got Maryland, you've got California. I mean, you got, every state's in here. And, and for some strange reason, poor Alaska and Hawaii, I mean, they just got bunched into one page. They didn't even get their own pages. And I don't even know why, uh, why that is. But anyway, so you get the road atlas, right? And, and again, the road atlas, it didn't show the detours and it didn't show the delays. But then right? We came to such a place in our travelerhood to where now we have this little thing called GPS. Turn by turn navigation, baby, right? And it just tells you where you need to be. It points out, it doesn't show you alone, it shows you, but then it tells you where you need to go and what you need to do. And it's little comforting voices, it's soothing voices. It could be a British guy, it could be an Australian lady, it could be male, female, whatever country, whatever accent you want. I mean, you got it all in there and it tells you all kinds of stuff. It tells you where to turn, it tells you uh, how to get from one place to another. In fact, some of them, if you follow ways, right? I can't stay in ways because it always gets me places I don't need to be. But Waze, if you've got that, how many of you have the Waze app? Any of you? All right, so you know what I'm talking about. I do not understand this app because I followed it once and it told me to go a different way to save some time and I went that way and I didn't save any time, right? It made it even longer. But the thing I don't get about Waze is that it, it's like this interactive game. It's the, most, it's, it's the most dangerous GPS app I think ever invented because it encourages you to essentially take your eyes off the road and do their job for them right? It's like accident ahead, 
Is the accident still there, or has it cleared? You're trying to drive, and now you're trying to, trying to punch all these buttons, and it stays there, and you can't see where you're going. And then it's got all these little bubbles of other ways travelers who are also traveling along with you. What is up with that? Like, are you just waving at them or something? I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just the craziest thing. The thing with GPS, though, here's, the, here, here's what makes it different than these two items, is it does show you the detours, and it does point out the delays. I mean, if you're driving up through Atlanta, I've mentioned this before. I mean, I wish there was a way to just take McDonough off of, uh, off of 75 and just drop it somewhere else. Maybe even punt it even further from wherever you drop it, right? Because you're going to see your map is going to turn red. I mean, whether you're Apple Maps, Google Maps, Waze, whatever it is, it's going to turn red. You're going to have a long section of red there. And, and, and Siri is going to say something like, pull your hair out now, right? Scream like a baby because you're going to be sitting there and it's going to show you how long your delay is. And sometimes, as I mentioned, it's going to uh, divert you. It's going to tell you, save five minutes, take this route. And just don't do it. Just don't do it. I told you. I, you heard it here. Don't do it. But it shows you the detours and it shows you the delays. Now, here's, here's where I'm going with all this. Life doesn't work that way. And it'd be great if it did, maybe. But I don't even know, I don't, I, don't, I don't even think I want to know where the detours are coming down the road for me or where the delays are going to be. And a lot of you have learned, maybe even been reminded more recently, that you don't know the detours in life and you don't see the delays coming in advance the way our modern technology shows us on the roadway. Right? You didn't know that you were going to be out of a job for this long. It didn't tell you that. It didn't say ahead of time you're going to lose your job and be looking months from now for that perfect fit. didn't point that out. It didn't show you and it didn't tell you. There was no app that helped you to understand that when you had that surgery, that recovery was going to last far longer than you thought it was going to be. There was no app that pointed out to you that you would be at this place in life when you thought you would be married, you thought you would have children, you thought you would have this type of house, this type of career, this size of savings, this much retirement, and now some of those have not yet come to fruition and you feel like you're in a delay, you feel like you're in a detour, that you're in a place where you're waiting and you didn't see it coming right? You didn't know. No, no, no one alerted you. You didn't ha have a, a, a notification on your phone ahead of time to help you to see this is where you were going to be in life. It just doesn't work that way. And as we work through this particular series, and when we look at this message specifically today, there are going to be about three different principles that I want us to look at. And then I'm going to try to give you something practical at the end that if you're in a place of waiting, detour, delay in your life right now, some things that will hopefully help you to keep in mind. The first principle I want to give you, we're going to begin moving around Scripture, not one primary passage necessarily. We're going to roll a few different passages of Scripture into the, uh, into the message today as we look at detours and delay. But here's the, here's the first one, that detours and delays are a part of our journey with Jesus. They're just a part of it. They're part of life. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world with hard edges. There is a perfect world coming for those who know Jesus. It's called heaven, right? That's going to be the ultimate destination. God is with us now as followers of Christ, but there is a place coming where we will get our ultimate rest, right? And we don't know everything about heaven, but what we do know is, is a place we want to be, right? Jesus is going to be there. Those who knew Christ, who passed on before us, are going to be there as well, a place of perfection. But until we get there, we at times are going to feel the hard edges of life, 
And sometimes the detours and the delays that come in our lives are our doing, right, or our undoing. Maybe we made a, de- a choice or we made a, de- a decision that kind of put us in a certain predicament where now we feel like we're in a detour experience in life or a delay moment in life. Maybe it was a circumstance outside of our control that came, some of which I have already described. But the harsh reality is, is that times of detour and delay, they're, they're just simply a part of our journey With Jesus, when you gave your life to Christ, God didn't promise you that it was going to be a smooth road. Nowhere in the Bible does he really promise us that every step along the journey until we get to heaven is going to be smooth. There are bumps along the ways, there are wrong turns, there are broken roads, and there are just flat-out detours and delays that come that we could not see coming. Now, here's where I want to make a distinction, that what we call detours and delays, God doesn't necessarily call them that. Because they're only detours and delays really from our perspective, not from God's right? That's a kind of a deep thought. I want you to chew on that for just a second. What we say is a detour. God, I thought I'd be in another job by now. Lord, I've been praying for this, you know, for, for months and years now, and you still haven't done it. Why this delay? Why this detour? What we call delays and detours, God, God doesn't. He just sees the whole picture, right? We see one rail car at a time. You know, we're kind of watching the train go by one rail car at a time. God doesn't see it that way. He just sees the whole train start to end, you ever watched a, a movie more than once, by the way? Maybe there's that movie. For me, it's Rocky, right? Love me some Rocky. I look like a boxer, don't I? And anytime I'm walking through the house, if Rocky is on somehow some random TV station, if it's on, I mean, I, I just got to, like, stop and just watch for a minute, and then I'm going to sit down on the couch and, you know, just kind of watch. If you've ever watched a movie more than once, here's the thing. The first time you watched it, you got all excited, you got into it, maybe you screamed a little bit, maybe you cried a little bit, you got chill bumps, right? Because you didn't know what was coming. But then at the end of the movie, maybe a a few weeks later or a few months later, even a couple of years later, you saw the movie again for a second time. You you just decided, man, I love that movie, I want to watch it again. And you watched it again, and it was great, but you didn't cry like you did the first time. You didn't get chill bumps like you did the first time, and you didn't, you, you know, you, you didn't uh, have the emotions that you had the first time. Why? Because you, you knew the whole movie from start to finish. You knew what was coming. You knew what was happening. That's the way God sees life. We see detour. We see delay. We see time of waiting. We see difficult experience. God sees the whole thing. It's not a detour or a delay from his perspective. It's just part of his plan. And we see that really well in a passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 46. Listen to what it says, Isaiah 46, verse 9 and verse 10. Isaiah is writing here, he's quoting God, and God says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Listen to this, declaring the end from the beginning. He sees the whole train. He's seen the whole movie. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good Pleasure. So when you have a change of plans, when you have unexpected circumstances, when you have a a detour, when you have a delay, it's just all part of the journey. God sees it all. Those aren't things that catch him by surprise. They aren't things that derail his plan in your life. And, And here's why we can trust this, that because God is God, he is self-sustaining, right? He is independent of his creation. He's not dependent on anyone or anything or any circumstance. Along with that comes a couple of attributes 
that really help us when we're in our times of delay and detour. One of those attributes of God is that he's sovereign. And another is that he applies providential care to our lives and to our circumstances. So what do I mean by that? First of all, God is sovereign. So what is the definition of a sovereign? A, a sovereign, let me, just, let me just read this simple definition. It is a ruler or a king. Right? You'll use that word, so, you know, a sovereign from time to time. You'll hear it on the news. It just refers to a ruler or a king. That's one use of that word. So we obviously see in Scripture that God, Jesus, he's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. There's one name for God that's used, the name Yahweh. We see it in the Old Testament predominantly. Jesus would, would apply it to himself in the New Testament, claiming to be God right, himself, which he is. But that, that name Yahweh used over 7,000 times in the Bible. And what it simply points to, translated often as I am, it points to that simple fact that I just explained, that God is preexistent. He has no beginning. Lock in here. He has no beginning. He has no end, right? He is self-sustaining. He is independent. He is not dependent on anyone or anything. He is sovereign. He is ruler. He is king, <laughs> But then on top of that also, we've got theme music for the message today. On top of that as well is that God applies providential care. What does that mean? It means he's able to leverage everything for his ultimate purpose and for his good. Even the difficult things you didn't see coming. Even the times of difficulty, even the times of delay, even the times of detour, that you would wring your hands and you get so stressed and lose so much peace and so much joy because, you, because of the change of plans, because of this detour, because of this delay. God, I didn't think it was going to be like this. God, I'm tired of waiting, right? God is providentially in charge and he's controlling all of that. He's sovereign. He's in control. He is exercising his authority. Psalm chapter 103, verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. But then he also applies Romans 8, 28 to the mix so many times that he causes all things to work together for good, for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. Right? So when we find ourselves, we're just hustling down, down that, that interstate, right? We're just going through life, clicking. The kids are doing great. Family's doing great. House is doing well. Nothing's breaking down. Car's doing super, right? Everything's, everybody's healthy. The, the, the boss is being nice. We're, we're getting along with everybody. We got more followers on social media, right? You got a bonus last year. The, I mean, everything's going good. And then, boom, you see, you hit this delay. You hit this detour that you didn't see coming. Maybe it's health-related, career-related, uh, family-related, relational, financial, right? And you didn't see it coming. The best thing we can do in that moment is to remind ourselves that God is bigger, he's over and above, he is sovereign, he is in control, and he applies providential care. He is moving the chess pieces. He is, he is uh, positioning everything in place to accomplish his ultimate purpose. And Job would say that that purpose can't be thwarted. Right? He's sovereign, and he applies providential care. So detours and delays are part of life. We, we don't need to lose it when those times come, right? We can still have strong faith, and we can still have joy. We can still have peace. Second principle. This is where I want us to camp out. We're going we're gonna to look at a few different stories out of Scripture here for the second one. Principle number two, detours and delays that come in our lives. Again, regardless of what they look like, financial, relational, yada, yada, whatever they may be, those detours and delays in our lives serve a specific purpose. 
And I know what you're thinking, Brooks, I, I just, I don't understand. I don't know what the purpose could be for me losing my job. I don't know what the purpose could be for my retirement taking a hit and the plans that I had for 10 years from now are kind of in the tank. God may not explain every purpose down to a detail, but remember, he's sovereign and he can apply providential care and he's able to work it out in a way that we can't fully understand or explain to accomplish his goodwill. So, so what could possibly be the purposes then behind a time of detour or delay in our lives? I'm going to give you just a handful of them real quickly. One is, is that God at times uses those detours and those delays in our lives to provide for us or to provide for other people. Right, we hit the, we hit the roadblock, we find ourselves off the beaten path, and what we can't see is that God is using that, that little bit of a, of a detour or that waiting period to ultimately bless and to benefit and to provide for somebody else. One of the best examples of this I think we see is in the life of Moses. So let me get you to turn here with me. I, I want you, I've been moving quickly through some scriptures. Let me get you to turn, turn here with me to Acts chapter 7. So I know what you may be thinking. You may be thinking, all right, I thought we are talking about Moses. What are we doing in Acts? Because Acts is in the New Testament. Excellent point. All right, Moses' story really unfolds beginning around Exodus chapter 3 is where it really begins to kind of gain some speed. Part of, of the earlier Exodus, uh, first couple of chapters as well to some degree. But Exodus 3 is where his story really kicks it into another gear and gains speed. But in Acts, what we find here in the context of Acts chapter 7 is there's this guy named Stephen who would be the first Christian martyr. Jesus has already come. He's died. He's risen. He's ascended back to the Father. The church is born. And now this man Stephen is taking heat because of his faithfulness to proclaim the gospel. And he's going to die for his faith. He's going to be the first martyr that we have recorded, not just in the Bible, in history. A martyr for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. Well, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is in some ways given a defense, and you may not have known this, but if you want to see a really good Cliff Notes version of Old Testament history, Acts chapter 7 is where you need to go. And so here in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is going to be telling us a little bit about Moses. And so let's pick up his story in Acts 7 verse 22. He says, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. Let me pause there. Moses was a Hebrew. He was Jewish by heritage, but he was raised in the courts of Pharaoh. Many believe he was being groomed to be the next Pharaoh over the land of Egypt. Hebrew nationality, Hebrew heritage, Egyptian in culture. All right, so let's go to the next verse, verse 23. But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him. And he took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. So there was an Egyptian and another Hebrew that were going at it. Moses steps in, he intervenes, and... Uh, I mean, essentially, he kills the Egyptian. We find out in Exodus that he buried him in the sand, verse 25. And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they didn't understand. So on the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting together. So he comes back up on a scene. This time, it's two of his own people, two Jews that are fighting together. And he tried to reconcile them in peace, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you injure one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? 
you don't mean you do not mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? And that's where dun dun dun, right? That's the that's the music, right? Moses is like, <gasps> somebody saw. At this remark, Moses fled, and he became an alien, a stranger. A detour, delay in the land of Midian where he became the father of two sons. Moses was 40 years old. That's what it tells us in Acts chapter 7. If you go to the book of Exodus, it tells us that, filling in the gaps, that for the next 40 years after this, that would be from age 40 to 80, Moses is going to be tending sheep for his father-in-law on the backside of the wilderness. Steve Farrar would say he had stepped into obscurity, he had a change of vocation, he had a change of status, he had a change of location. Everything had changed. It was a detour and a delay that Moses never could have seen coming. What's interesting is, is that when you look at the story of Moses all the way through to its conclusion, look at what it says in verse 30 in Acts chapter 7. It says, after 40 years had passed, remember, first 40, Egypt, second 40, wilderness. He's now 80 years old. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning bush. And this is where it all would go down. This is where the story kicks into high gear. This is where God appears to Moses, burning bush. Moses says, what should I tell the people your name is? He says, I am. There's that name Yahweh, most personal name for God, used 7,000 times in the Bible. And from there on, Moses begins the journey for the next and the last 40 years of leading the people through the wilderness. He never could have seen ahead of time. He didn't have the app that painted a 40-year-long red block of delay. He never could have seen that God was preparing him by life in the wilderness to lead two million strong through that very same wilderness, perhaps, in part at least. And through the detour and delay of Moses' life, God was providing for an entire nation of people. You find yourself in the middle of a detour or a delay. Here's a question you may want to consider asking of God. Don't really ask anybody else because God, well, you could ask, but only God's got the answer right? God, is this detour in my life, is this delay possibly you providing for me or someone else? Consider that. There's a second purpose at times for the detours and delays that come in our lives. Sometimes they're for God to provide for us or provide for somebody else, but sometimes those detours and delays in our lives are ultimately for God to put the right timing in place. See, if God was to give you Everything that he wanted to give you in the scope of a lifetime in one special moment, right, it would bury you. You and I both, neither of us would be able to handle all of the things God wants to give us and do for us if he gave them all at one time. Some of those blessings that God would give us would ruin us, right? It it would be like putting the keys to a car in the hands of a four-year-old, right? One day, that day is coming. Age four is not the time to have the keys, right? And so there are times when God, through detours and delays that come in our lives, he is positioning things. He is moving those chess pieces again providentially. He, he's, he's arranging, he, he's setting up his perfect timing. And the way we see this, one, only one example of many in the Bible is through the life of another Old Testament character 
a man by the name of Joseph. Listen to Joseph's story, right? This is Joseph in the Old Testament. Here's the nutshell version. Joseph in the Old Testament, he had a couple of dreams when he was a teenager that he would one day rule. Well, he shared this with his brothers, and it didn't go over so well. Now, of course, you think about maybe your brothers or your sisters, if you were in a family where you had siblings, uh, they didn't probably think a whole lot of your dreams either. And so Joseph shares these dreams, and they were just completely caught off guard. They, 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 they hated Joseph for it, actually, because he was basically claiming, one day I'm going to rule over you guys. So long story short, they end up taking Joseph, they throw him into a pit, they cast him off as dead, they tell their father, well, you know, I don't know, last we saw, we, all we found was his clothes and it looked like a wild animal had eaten him, sorry, and that's kind of where they left it. Not giving the correct story or the accurate or the honest story, they sold him off into slavery. I mean, you think about, you thought your brothers and sisters were dysfunctional. I mean, this is next level kind of stuff here. So they sell him off into slavery. Joseph uh, ends up finding himself bought up by a traveling band of people on their own road trip. He, uh, he ends up doing well. God elevates him in status. He's then accused of a crime he didn't commit, thrown into jail, thrown into prison, really, and, uh, and he's forgotten about. Detour and delay after detour and delay. Do you think Joseph ever thought to himself, what about those dreams that I would one day rule? You know? until the right time had passed, because sometimes the detours and delays are for God to apply the appropriate timing. Look over in Genesis chapter 37. I want you to see something really interesting here. It's amazing how much info the Bible gives us if we just read it and study it, right? I mean, it's all right here. Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. Look at what it says in Genesis 37, verse 2. These are the records of the generations of Joseph. Joseph, when 17 years of age, right? There's the, there's the time stamp. 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth. And it goes on to give some more information in the last part of that verse. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. So this is where everything starts to go south for Joseph. Detour and delay. Not from God's perspective, but only from Joseph's. Let, let's look ahead a few chapters. Genesis chapter 41. Look in verse 46. All right, dreams, age 17. Genesis 41, verse 46. Now Joseph, a lot of time has passed here. Joseph is now in a place where his dreams have been actually accomplished and fulfilled by God, not by him. God has pulled it all together. It says, now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, and he went through all the land of Egypt. Essentially, what that saying is, is that Joseph had come to the place now where he was, he was in a position of ruling. Genesis 37 says he was 17 when he had the dreams. Genesis 41 said it was at the age of 30. I'm no mathematician, right? But that's 13 years in between the two. That's 13 long years of detour and delay in Joseph's life between when he had the dreams and whenever God actually accomplished what he said he was going to accomplish. But that's not the end. Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter in this book, in the book of Genesis. Look in Genesis chapter 50. Look down in verse, uh, verse 20. Here's what Joseph says. He's standing in front of his brothers who had done all this to him. It's all come full circle. He's ruling. He could, he could do whatever he wanted to pay these guys back. Here's what he says. Verse 20, Genesis 50. As for you, you meant evil against me, right? Let's not sugarcoat this. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present Result. It was all about timing to preserve many people alive. There had been a famine in the land. 
Joseph was in a position by virtue of, of, uh, of, of his government authority, right, to provide for his family, his, his father, his brothers, their families, roughly 70 all total. And he was in that position because God used his detour and his delay to set up his perfect timing. You find yourself in a detour, in a delay today? Maybe. Consider. Ask God, Lord, could this detour, this delay, simply be an example of you arranging your timing for a blessing down the road? Sometimes the purpose of detours and delays are to provide for us or somebody else. Sometimes they're to arrange God's perfect timing. But then there are those moments where God simply allows or brings a detour or a delay to just protect us, right? Because he loves us. This is where we think about Joseph in the New Testament. Jesus, fully God, born of a virgin named Mary, conceived of the Holy Spirit, yet he had an earthly father by the name of Joseph. Jesus has now been born here in Matthew couple of years have passed. The Magi have come to visit. Look at what it says, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, when they had gone, the Magi, again, Jesus most believe was around two years old now, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And so Joseph got up, and he took the child and his mother, listen to this, while it was still night, and he left for Egypt. You, you talk about a detour you didn't see coming, and a delay you didn't see on, on the horizon. This would be example, this would be exhibit A right here. Verse 15, and he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. And so Joseph, New Testament Joseph, he uproots his whole family. He didn't get any advance notice. He goes to a land that as far as we know, he had never been to before, Egypt. And he goes there for an unspecified amount of time until Herod died. Imagine you moving to Egypt, all right? Not down there, I mean like tonight, <laughs> all right? God comes and says, hey, time to go, get the bags, hit the road, you're going to Egypt. How long, Lord? Oh, until so-and-so dies. Okay great. <laughs> That's the detour, the delay that Joseph had. But what was God doing? He was protecting. He was protecting the whole family. And listen, there are times, follow me on this, you have probably hit a detour or a delay in your life, and it frustrated you, and it made you angry, and you may have even gotten a little mad at God, and got a little sideways with God, and you didn't understand exactly why, but you could have never imagined, even still today, how God protected you through that detour or that delay, had you gotten that job that you wanted so badly, no telling what you could have got caught up in. If she'd have said yes when you hit your knee, <laughs> no telling where that might have gone, right? I mean, you just, sometimes we don't know. And yet many times we hit a detour, we hit a delay, and God's saying, just trust me, because you don't know, you don't want what's on the other side of my Yes. And so because I love you, I'm giving you a no for now. You know, when we look at this whole, this whole idea of being on a road trip, 
when we hit these moments in our lives where we have to wait, there's not a lot of us that are very good at waiting, you know. You know, we get fidgety, we, you know, we get antsy, sometimes our, our joy depletes and our, our, our peace sort of goes away and, and we get frustrated with God. So if you find yourself in the middle of a delay in your life on this journey, or if you find yourself in, in just an all-out detour and things have gone a direction you didn't see coming, again, vocationally, relationally, financially, whatever it may be, what are some things that can help us? I'm going to give you three things really, really fast, and then we're going to close this out. Three things. When you find yourself in a delay or a detour, number one, always take a moment to look back to God's faithfulness because here's what you'll typically find. If you followed him for any amount of time at all, and it doesn't take long, <laughs> you're, going to have a, you're going to see that God's got a track record of faithfulness, right? And maybe you're hitting a, a roadblock or, or you're, you're in the midst of a trial, a difficulty, or you're waiting. You don't know what God is up to. Just look back. Don't glance back. Look back. Pause. Ponder. What has God done in the past? How has he shown his faithfulness to me? And what you'll see is that all along the way, God has been faithful through other detours and other delays and other stuff you didn't see coming. That, that surgery or that that bankruptcy or whatever it was, God was faithful there. And he led you through and he met you there. He didn't stand on the other side and say, why don't you just get a little stronger and come on over here and meet me where I am? No, he went to you and he got in the ditch and he got in the mess and he was faithful there. And when we hit those moments in our lives where we feel like, God, where are you? Just look back. And in the same way, he was faithful back there. He's going to be faithful here. And if you can't look back, look here in the Bible because there are a ton of stories of how God was faithfulness. At the delay, at the detour, take a, back, take a moment, look back at his past faithfulness. And then just look around. Number two, just look around. Look around at his presence and his promises because his word is filled with promises that he's not going to go back on. He's not going to fall short on. Oh, yeah, you know that one I said I'd always be with you. I'd never leave you, forsake you. Oh, sorry, I dropped you for that couple of weeks back there when you got fired. God's never going to say that. He's going to be faithful to you right now. I mean, we sang the song about through the fire, you know? And it's easy to get excited about that here. What we need to remember is when we are in it, right, he's still there. And he's still present. And his promises still apply. And then finally, in the midst of the detours and the delays, what we can do is we can look forward in faith. Because the same God who was Yahweh in the Old Testament, showing himself to, to Moses in the burning bush, and the same God who was there in the prison cell, and, and at the time of the wrongful accusation, and at the time when he was being abandoned by his own family for Joseph, and the same God who was visiting Joseph in the New Testament, saying it's time to hit the road because I love you, and yet there are others who don't, right? It's the same God who's going to be faithful, and we look forward in faith. And we follow where it leads. And we know we're going to be okay. And if a detour comes or a delay shows itself, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because God is big enough, and he's sovereign enough, and he's, he has enough providential care to work whatever he wants out of the things that we think nothing good could ever come. He does really good work in those spots. It's not easy waiting. It's not easy to hit a detour or a delay. It's even harder when you don't know how long it's going to last. But listen, we can still have joy and we can still have peace because in that moment, 
God hasn't gone anywhere, and he's still very much at work, as much as in the times of unmistakable blessing. So trust him. Trust him with your life and follow. Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You know, for many of you in this room, man, you've got testimony after testimony. You could step up and say amen to so much of this. Moses has his story. Joseph has his story. You'd say, I've got my own, right? of how God has done so much of this in your own life. Others of you, you were right there in it. You were in the middle of it, and your world is spinning. And you are asking questions of God you've never asked before, but you've never really stopped to pause to think, you know what, he's been faithful all the way up to now. Why wouldn't he be still? You've never really stopped to think, you know what, his promises are still true, and his presence is still secure. Why would I think he's not here and that he's not at work? You know, God is at work, and so you can trust him. But then there are others in the room, I would assume, just by the sheer numbers of it, that you've never really started that journey with God in the first place. And you know what? Maybe it has been a detour or a delay that's kept you from doing that. Maybe you misinterpreted a hardship in your life or a difficulty as, as wrongly thinking God doesn't love you or he doesn't have power or what have you. No, he does love you. He loves you so much that he came. Jesus came and he died to take away the biggest roadblock in your life, the one that kept you from having a relationship with God. He died to take that away, to take away your sin, to pay for it, and to remove it as far as the east is from the west. And yet the devil knows that. None of that makes us right with God. What we have to do is respond. And we respond by turning from our sin. Telling Jesus we're ready to do that and inviting him to forgive and to save and to take over. It's that simple. It's that simple, but yet it's the biggest decision we'll ever make. And it's from that point forward we know that God's never going to lead us astray. And through the hardships and the difficulties that come, because the journey brings those, right, he's, he's going to be good. And you're going to be okay. God, help us to follow you as you call us to. And Lord, I pray especially for those today that have never started that journey, that right where they sit, you'd give them the courage and the desire to say, I don't want to go another step without Christ being Lord of my life. And that they would understand that right where they sit today, right now, they can admit their sin to you, Jesus, and invite you to forgive and take over, and you'll do it. And God, for those that are in the middle of a place where where their world is spinning, and they are wondering why this delay, why this time of waiting, why this detour, I didn't see this coming, that God, they wouldn't push you away, but they would press in close, knowing that you are big enough and good enough to work it all out for good one day, that they're going to look back with a smile and say, Lord, thank you for what you did. Give them the faith to see that now before it ever even comes. And Lord, may, may we enjoy you in this journey you've given us, not just through life, but with Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.